Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. Welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Today's episode is very exciting for me. Today, I have somebody on who is a clinical psychologist, but is really, you know, well-educated, but it's also really committed to serving others. And, you know, today I have Dr. Tiona Amble with us and Tiona has such a wide range of experience and it's just a really intellectually curious person. And we have many people that are intellectually curious on this podcast. However, what's really unique about Tiona is she's really traveled around the United States and has had a lot of different experiences that have helped to shape what is a very eclectic set of skills that enable her as a clinical psychologist. And really, I'd say like almost like a coach to those that she serves, helping them to really optimize, you know, their lives and get access to the services that they need. So Tiona is speaking with us today from kind of the, the greater Seattle, Washington area. She spent time in Virginia and in Texas and has now opened up Amble Wellness and Consulting in between kind of Tacoma and, and Seattle. So, Fiona, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. That's great. It's wonderful. So for people that are listening to this podcast, it's called the Brain Mastery Podcast. And why we called it that is because we really wanted to feature people out there doing great work in the overall world of brain health. Now, for people that are listening, these could be individuals that might be looking to optimize their brain health, might be looking to really optimize their lives, or they could be professionals looking to have um, a new approach to some of the services that they're offering. What would your main message in the world of brain health be for those people that are listening to this episode? So I think the main message I would send to all the different people you mentioned, whether it would be colleagues or fellow healthcare providers or individuals that are looking for help, is that change is possible and to keep hope going that change can happen. And during my career, it's been a pleasure to be able to support so many different types of people from diverse backgrounds and realizing just that. And I get excited about helping people to build toolboxes so that they can change associations in their brain. Because many of us get stuck in our habits that may have started when we were kids or younger adults, and we start to feel stuck. So my hope is that people will realize that there are so many different approaches that we can take to help people to feel less stuck. And it starts with understanding how the brain connects with our body, our spirits, our emotional state. So I would hope that people in healthcare would take a little bit more time in their practice and also in their research to listen to people's stories. Because when you give people an opportunity to share their story, they tell you a lot of helpful details and you start to make these connections between where they came from and what they've experienced and what their struggles are today. And I also want to empower people who are looking for help to be brave and to take that courageous step to seek out professional support. More than ever with what's going on in the world, we need people to listen to us. We need to be seen and to be heard and to know that it's okay to not be okay. 
and that there is the potential through unlocking different areas of our brain to create that change in our lives, to be healthier and happier individuals and to take care of each other. Oh my God. Like, do, do we even need to continue? Should we just stop there? You know, that, that is so incredibly well said. And, and it really makes me think of a fellow Texan, Brene Brown, and her work in kind of vulnerability and that side of research. You know, it's, it's something that I really like what you said, that it's okay to not be okay. Because we're all going to go through, you know, those times and, and to really connect with oneself and be honest with where you're at is is the way to really make change happen. Isn't that right? Definitely. In fact, that's one of the earlier things that I focus on, on my work with clients and patients, but also when I've done consultation with other healthcare professionals, because often people are stuck on perfectionism and perfectionism creates a lot of pressure on our minds, our bodies, because none of us can live up to that. We're human. So right. being able to get back to the heart of being human showing that empathy and compassion toward yourself, but also toward others. And I'm excited about healthcare moving more toward that. I see more and more each day that companies, healthcare systems are embracing education and training on compassion, also on listening to patient stories and narratives. And I'm excited to be a part of that and spreading that here in Washington but also across the U.S. and internationally. Because I think the more that we connect to our humanity, it creates these opportunities to promote healing from within and also to come together as a community to push this message that we can be healthier individuals, we can be happier despite this pandemic, despite our day-to-day stressors. That change is possible. Yeah, and I, and I just, I love this message. Like, but it doesn't just happen by itself, right? And I think that's the thing that we really have to, you know, I'd love for you to expand this a tiny bit on is, you know, and, we, and you don't have to do it alone. You know, there's people out there like yourselves who are trained to help you. You know, change is possible. And I mean, my goodness, you know, you look at this past year and a half. Wow. What a, <laughs> you know, here we are. You're, you're in another country. You know, we typically would like to do these sorts of interviews in person. But look at what we're doing. We're having this conversation virtually through technology and, you know, we're informing people about, you know, services that can be available all virtually. And, you know, all of this is the pandemic has actually made that even more accessible. It was before, but even more so now, you know, for people that are out there, when you talk about that vision, why don't you expand a little bit on what on that vision and how Amble Wellness is going to bring this vision to life in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, so I'm excited about a few ways in which Amble Wellness is going to bring that vision about. One being providing direct service to people. And you mentioned how we've had to become virtual during this pandemic. So Amble Wellness and Consulting is a completely virtual practice. Mm. So I'm able to work with individuals in Washington and Texas because I'm currently licensed in both states to provide therapeutic services. But in terms of my coaching and consulting, that doesn't have any borders. That can happen across any state internationally. So first off, there's going to be the direct component of providing psychological assessment, providing rehabilitative and therapeutic services, which can be one-on-one with people that are interested. It could be with couples. It could be with families. 
The second way that Amble Wellness and Consulting wants to support the community is by providing educational and healthcare consultation to corporations and businesses, regardless of their size, who are interested in promoting wellness amongst their staff, but also are interested in integrating principles that will support people in making change. So that way it helps companies to be more productive, but it helps employees to be happier and more satisfied. We see too often that individuals will seek out employee assistance programs, which can be helpful. However, I've heard from some people that have participated in those programs, they feel that the focus is often on just getting back to work, not really taking care of the whole individual. So I'm hoping that businesses and companies will become more interested in seeking consultation from businesses like mine so that you can have someone who's neutral coming in from the outside to be able to analyze what's going on in terms of employee wellness, to be able to provide some solutions, whether it could be trainings, continuing education, workshops, to really create an environment that stands behind the idea of employee wellness, not just treating it as lip service, but really having practices day-to-day in companies. Yeah, I'm actually, you and I, we were talking earlier, we have to have a sidebar on that conversation because I have some ideas that might further help with that. So you and I will table that one for later. But you <laughs> yes. know, I, I love that. And I love your main message and your vision for this work. When we think about this work, so as a clinical, you know, psychologist, but also just as a a really curious person that wants to serve and, and help as much as possible. You know, if there was one thing, when you think about the overall world of brain health that you would change, what would that be if you could change just one thing? So what I'd really like to see is that we can move toward more integrative medicine. And I think that we're on our way, but we still have a lot of work to do. Often when people go in for their annual physicals, checkups, they're the standard questions that are asked. You know, they focus on your weight, your blood sugar, and then they may ask if you have any other complaints. But what I'd like to see is that healthcare providers would be more proactive in doing screeners and checkups around someone's brain health, including their emotional state, their cognition. And it wouldn't take much time just to take a few more minutes to do these checkups and screeners. And I think it would create an opportunity for more conversations between patients and their healthcare team about interventions. Too often I've seen in my work that I'll end up having to refer patients to different medical specialties because they hadn't had the opportunity. No one had checked in on the changes in their memory and how they were forgetting more things lately. No one had checked in on how they were getting lost now going to familiar places. No one had checked in on how they were having to sleep much more than usual and not feeling rested. So just being able to promote taking a bit more time to do these checkups and screeners on how people are doing with their brain and mental health. So we have less of these missed opportunities and we're able to move more toward prevention when it comes to promoting brain health, not just intervention. Oh, I love it. And there's such wisdom in what you just said there. And, you know, I encourage people that are interested in that because, you know, what Dr. Amble just covered there is very, very important. And I've heard this from so many people that have been on this podcast and that we've been fortunate enough to work with. What you just said there is so incredibly important. Listen to your body. Ask the questions, even though you might be scared about what the answer could be. 
remember it's your body it's your it's your brain ask the questions you know it leads me to you know something i wanted to share with you on that is that you know at one point in my life you know i i was actually i had a pretty serious illness probably about 7 years ago and you know we'd noticed you know a lymph node kind of come up and you know those come up for many different reasons and then i saw another one come up and didn't really want to tell my doctor about it as this kind of like classic you know guy middle age kind of doing his thing you know life's busy and i mentioned it and then he said let's watch it and then the other one came up and said okay let's 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 watch it maybe we should go get that looked at and it was interesting cuz i went to the hospital and they were going to do a a core biopsy of it and the doctor who was doing that very minor surgery was you know he looked at me looked at my chart you know i'm 37 years old i look pretty healthy you know no other kind of conditions everything looked pretty good and he looked at me and said why are we doing this and i said you know and i can talk a little bit and i'm like oh, i don't know i mean i'm sure i'm fine and he's like well maybe you don't need to like he's kind of like didn't want to do it right like he's he's used to seeing i see the lineup of other people who look you know they're they're older than me they have you know maybe more complex medical conditions so he's kind of looking at me like eh you know we don't need to do this what scared me is i could have t- probably talked my way out of him doing that like quite easily and i said you know what we should probably do this it's pretty important you know he's he's asked that we do this we should probably do this so he 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 did it and thank god he did it because i knew something wasn't right and it turned out 3 weeks later i was diagnosed with a very rare form of lymphoma mm-hmm. but you know it it took the vulnerability right this is something you and i were talking about earlier it took the mm-hmm. the the courageousness and the vulnerability to actually be honest and thank god i did because it yes. may have saved my it may have saved my life yes wow uh, that's really powerful and i'm glad that you continue to advocate for yourself and you're actually reminding me of a lot of work i did i used to work with veterans and their families and i would hear too often from a lot of my veterans that they weren't feeling heard they were feeling like their appointments were going by pretty quickly and you're making me think of a story how i had one young woman a veteran she was seeing me because she was having a lot of problems with depression and lethargy and you know they had done an initial workup on her and it, they didn't really see anything obvious medical but then i took a little bit more time to listen to her story and what i discovered is that she had anemia that ran in her family and in the past it had affected her and she had been hospitalized and so as we talked more she shared with me how she had been drinking all these energy drinks to try to cover up you know the fatigue and so we worked together to gradually decrease her energy drink intake because all that caffeine was creating anxious mood so her anxiety improved uh, but what we noticed is that her fatigue got even worse so i said i really think you need to go back to your primary care doctor and insist on them doing a more thorough blood work to look at whether you're still having significant issues with your iron and it turns out mark that her iron was critically low and she was hospitalized immediately so i share that story to say the importance of getting behind people and empowering them to advocate for their health and again the power of listening to people's stories more fully engaging with them on a plan for change and then checking in on how they respond to it because you start to have these realizations and figure out that there could be something else going on 
And I had to have a lot of moments with like those, not just with my veteran population, but throughout my career, whether it was working with patients with spinal cord injuries or brain injuries or working with, you know, children that are trying to advocate for their health needs with their parents because they're not feeling hurt. (laughs) Yeah. So, So there's this common theme that when we take time to listen to each other's stories without judgment, with compassion, it opens up these opportunities to support each other in improving our health and wellness. Just taking a little time. Wow. That's powerful. And it, you know, it's almost like you're almost like a, an archeologist in your work, right? You're uncovering all of these different, you know, challenges that one may or may not even be aware of. So just, I want to, you know, acknowledge you for your work and in, in service of others and, and helping to really understand what's really going on for people. Because again, you probably saved your life. So what a great thing. What a gift. And uh, thank you for your work. Now, the next one. So a little more optimistic here on this one, because I, I like to be a rather optimistic guy. And I think I know what it is, but I'm very excited to hear your answer. If you had the crystal ball in the world of brain health, what would the future of brain health look like? Now, I know we already talked about, you know, kind of interdisciplinary and, and you know, we could get these brain health kind of checkups, but what would the future of brain health look like if you had the magical crystal ball? So I think the future would look like people who are experiencing illness or struggles, concerns with their brain health or mental health, being able to have access to resources. Too often, as I'm sure you've witnessed, Mark, financial means, socioeconomic status dictates the level of care that people receive. And that's a problem. And so I'm hopeful that governments, healthcare systems are going to take action to prioritize increasing access to resources to support brain health, such as cognitive rehabilitation programs, such as psychotherapy and counseling to help people with adjustment to brain injury and illness. This is one of the reasons why I really loved my work at TIER in Houston, because I was able to witness the power when different disciplines come together. And when you have a health system that's behind helping people with all different aspects of their adjustment to recovery from brain injury and illness. So I'm hopeful that healthcare systems will make that a part of their day-to-day and how they approach working with patients that are recovering from brain injury and illness, but also how with individuals that are dealing with mental health struggles in general. Oh, I love it. Uh, Accessibility. Yeah. uh, 100%. And from, from every angle, you know, from the insurance provider, you know, from every side. So it's really looking at, you know, kind of that, that individual awareness and understanding, and then, you know, scaling that out to how do we make, you know, what, once an individual has identified, there's a concern, then how do we find ways to make those services more readily available in a way that is interdisciplinary and accessible. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, when you think about, you know, clearly you're very, very well-read and highly educated. (laughs) Is there one or two kind of books or papers or professors that really help to shape some of your philosophy in this work? Yeah, so many come to mind, but two that I think in particular stand out are The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And this is a book that summarizes Dr. van der Kolk's research in psychiatry across different populations who have undergone trauma 
Mm. Whether it's physical trauma, emotional trauma, sexual trauma, he summarizes his career, which has spanned decades of doing research and understanding how trauma keeps the score on our bodies, meaning how our mind and body adapt in order to feel safe, in order to survive traumatic moments, but also how those adaptations can become dysfunctional and problematic when we hold on to them for the long term. And then he provides hope for people that you can engage in cognitive behavioral therapy and other psychological interventions in order to learn tools to create changes in the brain. And that's where we kind of come back to where we started with the power of neuroplasticity. So his book definitely speaks to that and provides a wonderful overview of how post-traumatic stress disorder and other trauma disorders develop, the impact they have on our well-being, and how we can recover through them by harnessing the power of the brain and the mind and seeking professional support for interventions to assist with that. And then the second book that comes to mind is by Tony Bernhard, and it's called How to Be Sick. And I encountered this book several years ago when I was looking for resources to share with my patients that were living with chronic illness, with my patients that were on hospice for terminal illness, with my patients who were struggling with chronic pain conditions. And I came across the book by chance, but I quickly discovered that it was going to become a go-to and something I come back to in my life when I'm wanting to reconnect and remind myself about how to approach working with people that are recovering from illness, but also that I refer many of my patients and clients to read. And so in this book, Dr. Bernhard talks about her personal path and how she became a writer because she had contracted a serious virus that became debilitating to her health and she had to make a complete 180 in her life. So she shares her struggles with depression and anxiety and how she was able to come out of it on the other side by seeking professional support, by being open to self-discovery and change. And she mentions the power of empathy, of self-compassion, of having that cognitive flexibility to change the vision for your life while also grieving the loss when you encounter illness and disability. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I will make sure that these, for the listeners, those listening, they both sound like remarkable books. So please, please check them out. I'll make sure that there's links available in the show notes to those books that were mentioned. And and thank you so much for sharing them. I, I, I know that, well, I'll be ordering them. <laughs> we're trying to almost build a, a, a suggested reading list that we'll have links to. That's, you know, selfishly for me, I get to learn a ton while doing this podcast and I get to meet some remarkable people. And that's the first time I've, I've heard of both of those titles. So thank you for sharing those. Yeah, of course. Now, for people that are listening, you know, surely there's going to be a lot of people who are interested in you and your work. How do people, you know, they want to support you. They want to learn about Amble Wellness. You know, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to, to reach you? So I am currently listed on some different websites where you can find me. I am a member of LinkedIn. So you can find me under my name, Tiana Amble, through LinkedIn. You can also search for me by name, Tiana Amble, through Psychology Today. I'm also listed on ADAA, which is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. So those are the best ways to get in touch. The nice thing about having a unique name like mine is that Mark, to this date, I'm the only person named Tiana Amble in the entire world. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. So if you find a Tiana Amble, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There are so many Mark Watsons in this world. It's crazy. Um, so no, I, I, I love it. And, you know, I just, I really want to acknowledge and thank you for your work and your commitment. You know, this is a start of some of a, I hope a, a relationship with us, you know, you're doing important work and, I really have learned a lot in the short amount of time that I've been able to speak with you. And I look forward to learning more and discovering more about how to help more people. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. I know it added a lot of value today and, um, you know, looking forward to, to hearing all the positive feedback from it. Oh, thank you so much. And also I quickly marked that I know some people like, Facebook and Instagram. So I do have a presence on those two social media platforms as well. So you're welcome to message me through those two, if I can be of assistance. I love it. Well, great. And thank you so much. And we'll be in touch again soon. Thank you, Mark. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.